I'm the only one to blame for this. Somehow it all adds up the same. Soaring on the wings of pride, I flew too high. And like Icarus, I collide. Responsible for blown behavior I lost all contact with my former savior No one locked me out cause I failed to fall up I can't bear to live forever like a loner To be sad when you lack a partner How would I react to a broken heart now? It ain't really true rock and roll unless I'm Hanging on to you when I hold it next time Don't let go of the coast Don't let go of the coast Don't let go of the coast
Get to Annapolis Center. Do you have any test operations restricted area 2508? Area 31, Roger. Traffic is quite luminous and is exhibiting some non-ballistic motion. Over. Roger, Aries 31. Continue to send at your discretion. Over. Okay, Center. The traffic is approaching head-on, ultra-bright, and really moving. They're right by us, right now. There are a thousand UFO sightings reported around the world every month. 90% of these sightings can be explained, but 10% cannot. Officially and unofficially, the U.S. military has been investigating UFOs since 1947. Their top secret goal is to find out what's behind these unexplained sightings. The Pentagon classifies them as unusual airborne anomalies, but a better term is X-Files. Join us now as Mac Wanwan and Commander Cobra explore these unsolved cases, UFO incidents that baffle even the U.S. military. This is Mac Maloney's Military X-Files. And now, here's Mac Maloney. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Mac Maloney's Military X-Files show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. Wow, what a show we have for you tonight. But first, let me introduce my partner in crime here in the studio with me tonight, the lovely Lois Lane. Hi, Mac. Hi, everyone. It's so good to be here tonight. Is it really, though? I ask you that every week. Is it really? Wouldn't you rather be, you know, doing something else? I could think of nothing else I'd rather do than be here with you. What? Wow, Lois, where's my uh, sound effects machine? <laughs> you just put oh, right here. <laughs> well, that's not a joke. Okay, that's for right. real. Okay. Back after dark. Let's see what happens. <laughs> but anyway, we have a uh, interesting special show for you tonight. Half compilation, half kind of live broadcasting, as they say. Uh, but we have a story coming up on um, a controversy from World War II called the Bomber Generals. And also some uh, segments from past shows and maybe a uh, top 10 list somewhere along the line. And also at least one selection, Lois, from the band Sky Club. Ooh, I can't wait for that. Mm. What do you know about Sky Club? Do you want to tell us or no? I, what I know about Sky Club is it's um, a very interesting band mm-hmm. fronted by yours truly, Mac Maloney. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and um, they just take songs and... Um, make them their own and really sort of reinvent them. Make and, them danceable. Uh, well, I would say danceable is definitely their style. Right. Uh, it's, uh, yes, myself and uh, No Belly Button Man <laughs> is involved. Yes. And uh, Chris Billius, our friend from Bristol Studios, involved. Um, mm-hmm. Matt Maley, bass player of Counting Crows, he is involved. And also Omnicast and El Palma Cotney's old touring sax player, he's involved. Yeah, it's quite a crew. Right. Well, quite a crew. You know, it's, it's four musicians and me. It's been anyway. <laughs> well, I don't know. You never give yourself enough credit for yeah. that. But why, why should I? So anyway, well, this. Because I think it's time to give yourself credit for that because you're very creative. No, no there's people who are uh, born musicians with the musician DNA. I don't have it, but luckily those guys have it in spades. So, well, you anyway. pull it all together, so mm-hmm. you get credit for that. Okay. Well, <laughs> I can barely go on. My heart's like a flutter from the... Uh, uh, but listen, from your compliments, but um, now you sent me a, a note right before the show opened and said, can I do a joke? Now, are you ready to do a joke here? Oh, my goodness. I was only joking, but I'm sure. Sorry. Are you ready to hear it? Okay, let's go. Let's okay. See. I have told jokes before and heard only crickets, so yes. hopefully there will not be crickets tonight. Hopefully you won't hear this. Oh, no. You have the sound. That's so sad. Okay. Okay, here we go. It just may be, get ready. Have that up and (laughs) ready to go. Okay, so here we go. Are you ready? Yes. Yes. Um, (laughs) So a priest, a minister, and a rabbit 
go to a bar. A priest, a minister, and a rabbit go into a bar. They go into a bar, and the bartender says to the rabbit, what do you have? Are you getting the crickets ready? No. Oh, my goodness. What do you have? And the rabbit says... I have no idea. I'm only here because of autocorrect. Oh, no, not the crickets. That is really mean. Oh, my goodness. Okay. All right. We get it. We get it. Everybody knows. Do you want to explain it, maybe? I don't think it needs explaining. I think it's in the delivery. Uh, you think so? Okay. Okay, a, you try it. A priest, a minister, and a rabbit walk into a bar. The bartender says to the rabbit, what are you doing here? He says, I don't know. I'm here because of autocorrect. <laughs> okay. It's all in the delivery. It's all in the delivery. That's fine. Okay, why don't we segue? There's another show business <laughs> phrase and tell people how they can get their bag of swag. Sure. I can do that. <laughs> I'm a little verklempt about the fact that the crickets came during my joke. But anyway, so if you would like a bag of swag for your very own self, go to MacMaloney.com, click on the contact button and submit your address, your mailing address, so we can put together a package for you filled with pins and coasters and decals that you will have um, buttons to wear and all with the Mac Maloney uh, X-Files, logo. military X-Files logo. And remember the name of the show. Sorry. <laughs> Boy, I'm no, getting all sorts of grief here. I'm, so, I'm here to help you and yeah. I'm getting grief. I don't think that's fair. Anyway, boys and girls and ladies and gentlemen, jump on to MacMaloney.com, click on the contact button, submit your real address, not your email address because we need to submit, uh, mail this out to you using old-fashioned snail mail. Right. Right. It doesn't magically go through the internet if you just send us your email address. Anyway, while we're on it, why don't we just do the plugs too, okay? Homes for Our Troops, Homes for Our Troops is an organization that uh, counts on your donation dollars to build homes for post-9-11 war veterans uh, of the Iraqi war, the Afghan war, uh, people who came home maybe missing a limb or, you know, their lives have been changed forever because of what they did in the service of their country and us. So what Homes for Our Troops does is that they uh, build them houses that makes it a little bit easier for them to get around, low counter space, steps that are easy to, easier to go up and down and things of this nature. They build them a house and they just basically tear up the mortgage. They give them the house. They give them the keys uh, for free. These people deserve it. They count on our donations. Homes for Our Troops, just to go online and look them up, uh, 88 cents of every dollar that you sent them goes directly to the veterans' uh, homes getting uh, built. And I think the cool thing about this, Lois, because uh, we're friends with these people and they've been on the show a number of times, is um, I think a stat that we heard from them was that once these, um, you know, I hate to use the word disabled, but these wounded veterans get into their homes, then they're 85% more likely to get a job and start their families and, you know, get on with their lives right. as best they can. And uh, the only way they do that is through donations, helping Homes for our troops, build homes for our troops. And what's better than that? You're helping people get their lives back on the right track because when you have a place to live and you eliminate that worry, my goodness, what, what and everything just turns around from there. So the thing to do is to Google homes for our troops, learn a little bit about them, hopefully uh, throw some money their way. Um, you know, they like to refer to themselves as an organization, not a charity. This is our moral obligation to do these to these people who went to in harm's way to protect us, to protect our way of life. Okay, Homestraw Troops, uh, please look them up and hopefully donate to them. And also, real quick, 
Um, Ross Hopp and his mad Englishman friends are rebuilding a mosquito warplane from uh, World War II. It had uh, it was made of wood, had two Rolls Royce engines on it. It was very fast. In fact, um, it was one of the fastest planes of World War II. It was so fast that... It outran the bullets. It actually outran the bullets. Okay, they're putting back together this iconic warplane. Uh, the People's Mosquito Project, Google them too, see what they're about. And we've already talked to people about the bag of swag. So why don't we do this, Lois? I was just thinking that you have any more jokes? <laughs> do you have, any, you have another joke? No, but you mentioned the Rolls Royce engine, and that plays a part in one of your the segments coming up right, later. Right, that's true. Yep. Well, it just goes to show you put a Rolls Royce engine in anything, and you improve it, as it turns out. But anyway, no jokes, nothing? No, mm. I'm just disheartened about the wow. whole cricket okay. thing, so I'm not even going to try it again. Well, I'll help you dry your tears in the uh, <laughs> off here, okay? I'll go drown my sorrows okay, now. here we go. <laughs> Uh, so you're listening to Macmillan's Miltrax House Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. We'll be right back after this. Do you know where the world's most secret bases are located? Do you know what spooky action at a distance means? Is there a conspiracy by aliens to prevent us from conquering space? And where is the best place in the United States to see a real UFO? Find the answers to all these questions and more in Mac Maloney's new book, Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe. Visit places you never knew existed. The Phantom Tunnels of Tokyo, the UFO Trail in South America, Hong's Hat, and the very mysterious M Triangle. Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe contains hundreds of reports on ghosts, haunted planes and ships, weird celebrity deaths, mysterious sounds, and a breakdown of every monster in America, state by state. You've heard him talk about it on the radio. Now, get all of Mac's paranormal research in one large volume. Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe, with a forward by the very famous Juan Juan, on sale now in your local bookstore or on Amazon.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Mac Maloney's Miller House Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. What a show we have for you tonight. Uh, but first, let me introduce my uh, partner in crime here in the studio, the very lovely Lois Lane. Hi, Mac. It's good to be here. Now, we have kind of a serious topic here for this segment. Um, it has to do with a controversy that happened back in World War II, at the beginning of World War II, or even before World War II. And um, it it's an example of what happens when politics gets in the way of fighting a war, where politics gets in the way of uh, the military's decisions. And uh, it's not a pretty story, but we thought that this would be a good time, especially what's happening all around us these days, to kind of do the story and to think about how these things can happen and maybe can be prevented in the future. Anyway, so here's a little bit of background. Um, back in the 1930s, after World War One, we go through the 20s, and in the 30s, the uh, Air Force, which was actually the Army Air Force back then, started to build long-range bombers. Now, these were bombers that were had four engines. They could carry a couple tons of bombs. They could fly uh, long distances, and they were also armed uh, with uh, machine guns and, and machine gunners. Uh, one of the most famous ones was the B-17, had uh, seven different guns on it, 10 people in the crew, 
And the idea was, um, and it was, and this idea was fostered by a group of generals called the Bomber Generals. This is in the 30s now. Um, that a long-range bomber could get to a target and not be shot down because they had so many of these um, gunners and guns on board shooting at opposing fighters. The B-17 was called the Flying Fortress for that reason. Had all these machine guns sticking out of it, the back, the sides, the top, the front, to shoot at enemy fighters that are trying to shoot down the bomber. Now, the bomber generals were so convinced of this for many different reasons that they actually... Um, stood in the way of money going to the fighter groups and the Army Air Force. You had two major groups, the bomber groups, which were flew these big bombers that would drop bombs many, many hundreds of miles away into enemy territory. And then you had fighters, which are small planes, one person in them usually, and they fight against enemy fighters and so on. So the bomber generals, were in, they were at the top of the food chain in the Army at this time, so they actually made sure that money did not go to the fighter groups. They wanted the bombers to win the war. They wanted to vindicate their belief that the bomber would always get through. It does not need escort fighters. Now, as if this turned out, was a huge, huge mistake. And these people should have known this because they, were, they would do like um, war games in the late 30s where the fighters, you know, uh, who were portraying the enemy, they always caught the bombers and shot down half of them. In the meantime... In 1939, there was the Spanish Civil War, which um, the Nazis came in on the um, side of uh, General Franco, who was a uh, fascist, and uh, they would bomb cities, bomb Spanish cities, and um, opposition fighters would go up and shoot them down all the time. So the idea that the bomber, quote-unquote, would always get through was a mistaken one, but uh, these bomber generals, and he was led by this General Hap Arnold, um, they just stuck to this position because it was their political decision. Um, it, 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 it seems unfathomable to me that they would use this kind of political thing just to, you know, um, maintain their own power and the power structure of the Pentagon or the army, I mean, um, you know, not to at least address the fact that, hey, maybe we need some fighters, but they didn't. So these bomber generals did everything they could a lot of some really nasty things, frankly, to prevent fighters from being built and then um, for being developed that they could actually escort the bombers. Now, it's it's really kind of two stories. So let's begin with the thing called drop tanks, okay? Drop tanks are a technology where you, and, and they, they do exactly what their name says. You carry them on the outside of a fighter plane and the fighter plane takes off. Uh, uses the fuel in the drop tank first, and then he drops the tanks, and then he can fly the rest of the way on fuel that he's carrying within the plane. Now, what we're seeing here, what we're talking about here is flying from England to the middle of Germany was about 700, 800 miles, depending. That's, that might be the average, okay? A, a bomber could do that because it was bigger. It carried more fuel. Fighters couldn't do that. Fighters could probably go maybe 200 miles, then they'd have to turn around and fly all the way back, uh, to their base so they wouldn't run out of fuel. This technology of drop tanks was simple, put drop tanks on the fighter planes, have them escort the bombers all the way to the target and all the way back, and they can fight off the German fighters while the bombers are bombing their target, right? It seems like so simple, doesn't it, Lois? It absolutely seems very logical, Mac, but logic doesn't always play a part in these things. Right, and and that's exactly what happened, Okay. Even though with all this evidence to the contrary, Hap Arnold and his boys insisted that uh, fighters would not carry drop tanks. They did everything in their power 
to stop them, stop our fighters from carrying drop tanks. Um, one of the things they said was, uh, oh, it's for safety reasons. You don't want to be flying with that fuel on the outside of your plane. Um, another reason they gave is, why should fighters carry a drop tank when they can carry a 500-pound bomb and go bomb something? Completely missing the point. But, of course, they knew they were missing the point. This is just their way of avoiding uh, the fact that, you know, they had taken this wrong position and they were going to be exposed uh, for doing it because they wanted money and power. Meanwhile, what's happening is that American bombers are being shot out of the sky left and right, especially in 1943. It was just, you know, horrible. They were going to these uh, targets deep within Germany, and German fighters would just, you know, meet them on the way in and on the way out. There was really nothing the bomb crews could do about the German fighters. There were so many of them, and these here, and these uh, flying fortresses and stuff didn't really work. I mean, every once in a while they'd shoot down a German plane, but it's very hard to shoot down a plane when you're in a moving plane. So hundreds, thousands of American airmen lost their lives or were at the very least captured because Hap Arnold and his boys did not want fighters to have drop tanks. As crazy as that sounds, that's what was happening for about the first nine months of the war. Isn't it nuts? It is nuts. And not to mention the loss of life is just devastating. Right. And, and, and there's also a numbers game here too, okay? First of all, every airplane of ours that was shot down had 10 people in it. Now, you know, some of them survived, but they were captured, but a lot of them died. Now, not only are these people dying, you know, uh, to help save our country, and basically, for, for you know, when they shouldn't have to have been dying, um, they were also very talented air crews. So whether they were dead or captured, it was very hard to replace people who had gone through, you know, months, if not a year of training, how to fly the bomber. The other thing, too, and this is really coming down to the numbers now in uh, October of 1943, um, still, you know, going along with this idea to send these bombers uh, over these targets unescorted, there was these big raids on these two German cities. One was called Stuttgart, and uh, one was called uh, Schweinfurt. And um, what do you think of my German there? Uh, well, it's not bad. Right? I, I think that um, X would correct you. Uh, Agent but, X, uh, yeah? Okay. Agent X would correct you, but I'm so impressed. Donica Shane, <laughs> as they say. So anyway, um, they were ball-bearing factories. So they figured if we could bomb the ball-bearing factories, then a lot of the German war machine would grind to a halt, literally and figuratively. But they send um, hundreds of these bombers over these two targets deep in Germany. And on the first one, they lost almost 20% of their bomber force, okay? The next one, they lost more than 20%. And then they went back two or three weeks later, and they lost 25%. Now, this is just to uh, talk about the numbers, okay? Let's say you have 1,000 bombers, okay, which they had more. But let's just take that as a number. When you lose 20% of your 1,000 bombers, you're only left with 800 bombers, right, Lois? That is true. Okay. So then the next day, when you lose another 20%, I think that comes down to something like 640 or something, right? You are doing the math okay. well. So it's not like you're taking away 20% of 1,000 bombers all the time. You're taking away 20% of your remaining bombers. And they just figured in two weeks, we'll have no more bombers left. Um, so what they started doing, so what happened was, um, you know, when we say 20% were shot down, we're talking about 40, 50 airplanes a day. A day, and all those air crews lost, and so on. And meanwhile, back in England, you literally have hundreds of fighters that could have flown with these guys, could have escorted them, and could have taken care of these German fighters while they were bombing these targets. Yet Hap Arnold and his buddies forbid these planes from carrying drop tanks. It's 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 crazy. It's it, it, well, it's disheartening too because you would think that 
everybody back home is thinking, oh, let's support our boys over in the overseas fighting all these <clears throat> bad guys and w- the people who are charged with their si- um, their safety their <laughs> are not considering it right. at all. It, it seems kind of mind-boggling. We touched on this uh, in, a, in a recent show where something similar happened in the Pacific where the torpedoes that were being used in our submarines had faulty firing pins on them. And everybody knew it. And uh, the um, the rumor was was that the admiral way back in the United States was in charge of ordering these uh, torpedoes from uh, a torpedo manufacturer. Supposedly there was some shenanigans going on there. And, you know, he might have been getting, you know, who knows what. And he refused for this torpedo to be discontinued or improved. And so many of our submarine crews died because when they would shoot these torpedoes with the faulty firing pins, they turned out to be duds. And once you do that, the ship that you are shooting at is going to know where you are, and frequently they will come and sink you. Uh, this went on for a long time, long time until, uh, as it turned out, someone in Pearl Harbor actually had the brilliant idea of making firing pins out of the propeller of Japanese Zeros that they had shot down because they noticed the propellers of Japanese Zeros didn't burn when the rest of the plane burnt when it, when it was shot down. And they used uh, this alloy. It was just kind of a super aluminum the Japanese had developed. Started making firing pins out of it, putting in, put them in their torpedoes, and started sinking a lot of Japanese ships. Okay, once again, for some reason, someone at the top didn't want for this development. You know, either it'd be new firing pins or letting these fighters carry drop tanks for their own political power. For who knows what payoffs? Who knows what? What bothers me a lot, I just think, as you just said, Lois, you know, back home in America, everyone thought, hey, listen, they're doing everything they can to win this war, you know, to protect us servicemen's lives, to make sure it's over quick and so on. And they were doing a lot of the opposite. And, and to people back here, we just fed a lot of propaganda. I hate to say it. I know during war, everyone has to be on the same page. But it's just terrible that, that this was going on while everyone in the United States thought, hey, they're doing their best to, uh, you know, to win the war. And they weren't. They well. Some people were, but the people in charge were making poor decisions, that's for sure. So anyway, so how did it turn around? How did we finally wind up, you know, winning the war, or at least the bombing war, against Germany? I think this would be a good place to uh, take a break now, but we can tease it, as they say in the business, Lois. We can tease it, oh, absolutely. She's turning red, folks. <laughs> um, to tell you that one of the heroes in turning this whole thing around was a playboy polo player. I think his name is Tommy Hitchcock. Was that his name? That is his name. And he was like a character in F. F. Scott Fitzgerald stories. Actually, F. Scott Fitzgerald based two of his characters on this, this, um, let's say this dashing man. Wow, dashing man. Okay. (laughs) That came out slowly. But look at, uh, yeah, that's, he's an unlikely hero, an unlikely character in this whole thing. But why don't we take a break now? And we'll be back with part two of, you know, the bomber generals and what happened and the uh, drop tank controversy. You're listening to Mac Maloney's Military X-Files here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. We'll be right back. I was in the hospital with my son for 18 months. When he got injured, I wasn't prepared, but I knew I had to be strong. When I was told about John's injury, I was in complete shock. I just remember rushing into his room and giving him a big hug and letting him know I was there. These veterans and families are just a few of the heroes we serve at Homes for Our Troops. For thousands of severely injured veterans, everyday life is filled with barriers. 
That was really the, the little things throughout the house. Counters that you can't roll up to. I had to drag my wheelchair down steps. I want to help, but he is so determined. At Homes for Our Troops, we build specially adapted custom homes with features like wheelchair access, roll-in showers, and automatic door openers that allow them to function independently and focus on their recovery and family. This house is freedom. It's hope. It's a new beginning. This house has given me my family back. To learn more, visit hfotusa.org. Back everyone to Mac Maloney's Mill Tracks, our show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. I'm in the studio tonight with the lovely Lewis Lane. Hi, everybody. Hi, Mac. It's good to be here. We're talking about a kind of a serious topic uh, tonight. This is segment two of it. And what it is is this controversy that happened back in World War II. It's known by many names. Um, some people call it the Bomber Mafia uh, controversy, the drop tank controversy. But this is basically what it was in a nutshell. Back in the 30s, the uh, generals who ran the Army Air Force, back then the Army actually ran the Air Force. Air Force was not a separate entity itself until 1948. But anyway, the Army ran the Air Force, and the generals at the top of the food chain had um, taken a position, political and power-wise, that they would build these big bombers called Flying Fortresses, one of them, the B-17, uh, that could carry a couple tons of bombs, had a lot of uh, guns and gunners on board to shoot at opposing uh, fighters who would come up and try to shoot them down, and they did not want fighter escorts going with these bombers. The reason is is that they didn't want money going into the fighters. They wanted all the money to be going into building bombers, for one thing. And number two, it was just like a power thing for these uh, generals. They had stated this position. The bomber would always get through, and they did not want to look like they were backing down on it by uh, giving money to fighter groups to build bigger and better fighters. In amongst all this, um, there was a technology called drop tanks. And the, the uh, real controversy was that we had lots of bombers, but we also had lots of fighters. But Hap Arnold and his bomber generals forbid the fighters from carrying drop tanks for a long, long part of the war, you know, more than a year, certainly. Had these fighters been able to carry drop tanks, um, they would have been able to escort the bombers all the way to their targets and all the way back. But um, the bomber generals did not want this to happen. They didn't want the fighters to take any of the glory. They wanted the bombers to get all the glory. And as a result, hundreds of our planes were shot down. Thousands of our men died, frankly, needlessly. It's just a weird story, isn't it, Lois? Weird and sad, Mac, because bottom line, we lost lives over something that seems to be a little bit political. Yeah, I think it's a lot political. And I don't know how people like this sleep at night. Um, but apparently they did, you know, and this is something that, um, you know, people should, if they're interested, really do some research on because it is, a, it's it's a kind of a long involved story. But there's uh, definitely evidence that uh, in the early part of the war, Hap Island and his people, what they would do is that um, before forbidding uh, the fighter groups to actually 
carry drop tanks. They used to like make up excuses like shouldn't carry them for safety reasons. Or the fighters should be carrying a bomb. Or they would say, okay, let's start developing uh, drop tanks, but then they wouldn't fund it and they wouldn't they wouldn't follow up on it. They would just kind of let it die on the vine. Okay. Meanwhile, as we were saying, dozens, hundreds of our airmen are being killed needlessly because they won't let fighters carry drop tanks as crazy as it is. Now, who comes into the story but this really interesting character named Tommy Hitchcock, okay? We've already talked about how he was like a model for F. Scott Fitzgerald <laughs> stories. Is that he, true? It is true. In fact, um, F. Scott Fitzgerald based two of his characters on this dashing man dashing. who was um, <clears throat> a World War One. <laughs> It's a little delayed. It's a dashing. <laughs> um, a World War One um, war hero because he um, was shot down and then escaped as um, you know a prisoner of war, and later went on to become a huge polo star. Believe it or not, and then he married into a rich family, yep, the yep, Mellon family. Yep. So. Um, so he is quite a character, and probably you could do a whole other segment on him alone, but mm-hmm. he was really instrumental in turning this whole controversy around. Right. See, what happened was he was a fighter pilot in World War One. By the time World War Two came along, he was uh, unable to, uh, he was too old. Can you believe that at 40 years old, you couldn't? Yep. 41 is the age that's uh, considered too old. But he was actually interested in getting right back in and becoming another war hero. Right. But um, they they gave him a different role because of his, his advanced age. Right. For, yeah, so at 41 years old, what he did is he used all his connections because, like Lois was saying, he was rich. He married into a rich family. Everyone kind of knew who Tommy Hitchcock was, right? So he used his connections to be assigned as the assistant air attache to the American embassy in London during the war. And um, and this is only because he knew people, but he, he also knew fighters. He, he was a fighter pilot, and he knew that something had to be done here to um, stop this like madness of not having our fighters have drop tanks or have an airplane that could follow our bombers to and from the target, okay? So what he did was he peppered like Arnold and uh, the people who were running the Army Air Force in Europe, the 8th Air Force in England, to you have to do something about this, have to do something about this. And and he just kept running up into brick walls. But he was the kind of guy who I think it said somewhere in his bio that he didn't care if he was talking to a four-star general or whatever. He, he just knew that he was there. Uh, he was never going to be a hero again. He couldn't care less who he was talking to because he was also up in the highest strata of uh, society. So anyway, what he did was he went over Hap Arnold's head and got – um, information on drop tanks and, and also this up-and-coming fighter called the P-51, which we'll talk about in a minute, he got this information to no less than Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill had a meeting with Hap Arnold and said, well, what's the story here? Well, you know, if you put drop tanks on your fighter planes or if you came up with this, uh, if we were developing this new fighter called the P-51 Mustang, you know, we could really kind of, you know, lick this problem of all these bombers being shot down. So Arnold was slowly being kind of moved in the right direction, and then uh, Hitchcock went to another friend of his who was like the undersecretary of war for the uh, FDI administration at the time. He was also an old World War I fighter pilot buddy, and, and the combined pressure finally got Arnold and his boys to relent and to start putting drop tanks on our fighters. And also, at the, at the same time, coincidentally, they were 
developing this airplane, which became the P-51 Mustang. And so what happened was the P-51 Mustang originally was thought to be like kind of like a second-class fighter. It was going to be sold to England as kind of like a patrol fighter, something that would be flying over England itself and not going off to war over Europe. Um, it didn't really perform very well until someone found out, someone that Hitchcock knew found out that if you put Rolls-Royce engines in the plane, it would be not only would it be able to have the fuel efficiency to, uh, with very little help, escort the bombers to targets in Germany and back. It would also be able to fly higher, and uh, with drop tanks, it would go really, really further. And it was speedy, had a lot of guns on it. It seems like anything you put Rolls-Royce engines in, Lois, you know, would be an improvement, right? Absolutely. They increased the speed by um, from like 390 miles per hour to 400, over 430 miles per hour. And the climb rate increased as well. And the range was increased. So just by swapping out the engine, it made a big difference. Wow. Lois, I just got excited when you said climb rate. I'm not sure what that okay, means, but, you know. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, you know, at the, once again, at the at the same time that this, this whole drop tank controversy was going on, they were developing the P-51 Mustang. Finally, they did put Rolls-Royce engines in them. As Lois just said, they became faster. They could fly higher. They were fuel efficient. And they could, once and for all, we had a fighter plane that could escort, with drop tanks, escort our bombers to targets in Germany and back. And as the saying goes... Um, there was a bombing raid once on Berlin, and Goering, who was Hitler's uh, number two man, looked up and he says, when I saw uh, P-51 Mustangs up there escorting the bombers, I knew that the war was over. I knew that we had lost. And he was right, because once, you know, you know, saner heads prevailed, and, and, and half hour, all these people finally get fired, they brought in Jimmy Doolittle, who was the hero of the 30 Seconds of a Tokyo raid. He came in, and um, he took over the 8th Air Force, and he was the guy who said, all the fighters are going with them. We're putting drop tanks on all these fighters, and we're finally going to end this thing. And that's exactly what happened, because as our bombers were bombing Germany into rubble um, and fetid because our escorts were there shooting down the German uh, fighters. And what happened was we're bombing the targets, and now all of a sudden the Germans are the ones who are losing 10%, 20%, 30% of their force every day. And finally, there were no more German fighters to come up and shoot at these bombers. And the war was over within months. So let's just go back to just thinking about this for a second. You have these guys, these fat cat generals, okay? None of them you know, ever came close to combat. Who knows what would happen if they did? That's another thing about war in general. A lot of times when people plan it, you know, plan it and, and, and want to go to war, they get nowhere near the combat. They have no idea how horrible combat can be, you know? Right, and that's the problem. Because they don't know, they look at things a little bit differently and maybe I don't want to say they see life as expendable, but they're just not considering the actual consequences of those decisions and the loss of life. That's what it comes down to. And the families of these people who lost people for no reason at all. You know, the whole thing about war is that what you want to do, you want to get it over as quickly as possible. I mean, it's a horrible business. No one wants to go to war. It should be like the last resort, but if you're going to do it, the best thing to do is just get it over with quickly to just end the suffering on both sides. The 1991 war in uh, Kuwait is a perfect example. You know, it was over in 100 hours because we finally knew what we were doing, and that was our goal. It wasn't stretched out. World War II was stretched out, you know, for at least a year, at least a year, um, by Hap Arnold and his boys not, you know, 
not letting bombers be escorted by fighters just because they didn't like the fighter group people. You know, it's it's insane. It's politics. When politics comes into life and death decisions, one thing you'll be sure of, one side is going to lose, right? Yes. And unfortunately, it's the, the soldiers out there that lose their lives. It's not just, it's just sad. Yep. The ones that lose their lives needlessly is really, really sad. So anyway, so yeah, that's the story about the uh, the bomber mafia, the bomber generals, and the whole drop tank controversy. And the thing is, is that, you know, it's too bad because I've read a lot of military history. And it's too bad that, you know, when this history was originally reported, that it seemed like everything was rah-rah on our side. But, you know, just, you know, we've talked about two examples just in the past recent weeks, the whole torpedo um, bad firing pin example in Pearl Harbor in the early days of the war against Japan, and now this whole thing with these generals not allowing fighters to carry drop tanks and might have uh, actually ended the war at least a, a year sooner would have saved a whole lot of lives. Wow, what a bummer, what a drag. Well, it really is, as I said before, it's just disheartening that that people make these decisions that cost lives. And <clears throat> I'm sure it continues today. I you know, uh, hope not. Well, there was. Well, we won't get into it. This is just another show. Yes, and and hopefully people are learning from this kind of um, revelation that this information is out there and readily available, so that maybe decisions like this don't end up happening again. Right. We might have to put some music over that little speech there, Lois. Oh, what do you think? I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, um, well, at least we can laugh. Well, we can. Yeah. Just put that little noisemaker up there and you're all good. She's talking about the noisemaker, folks. <laughs> okay, here we go. So why don't we do this? Why don't we take a commercial break now and we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Mac Maloney's Military Exile Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. Imagine you knew what was going to happen two seconds before it happened. Imagine you lived with the world's most beautiful supermodel. Imagine you drove a Jaguar with machine guns behind the headlights. Well, it's time to stop dreaming and start reading about Navy Lieutenant Chris Starr, hero of Mac Maloney's new best-selling paranormal detective series, Codenamed Starman. Who murdered the most beautiful tea girl in San Diego? Who's bombarding a small Massachusetts town with heavy artillery on Christmas Eve? Who's causing the mass murder of terrorists in the jungles of Africa? These are the cases Lieutenant Chris Starr must solve in the Kalashnikov Kiss, the first book in Mac's exciting new series, codenamed Starman. Follow the Starman as he uses his psychic abilities to crack cases the U.S. Navy has declared too unusual. Find out why the Pentagon calls him the X-Files guy. And what is the wormhole anyway? To find out, get your own tomato can and be ready for action, strange adventures, paranormal activity, and lots of cover models. In Codename Starman, the Kalashnikov Kiss by Mac Maloney. On sale now at Amazon and your local bookstore. You better be. Wow. Okay, Dribbles, it's come to this. Let me just introduce you to all these people who are not laughing at you. Don't take that all message. All right, who's who? 
Okay. We'll start with the uh, the beauties, okay? All right. uh, the beauty with the glasses is Valerie LaFaso. She's an empath. She knows everything you're thinking and feeling right now. Oh, no. Yes. Okay. Hey, it's not true. <laughs> there you go. The beauty without the glasses. Uh, they good all friend, say. A good friend, Raven. A good friend, Raven. She's a witch. She also knows every thought that's going through your mind. dress up. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, you know Commander Cobra, of course. He's the one saluting Commander. him. Yeah. It's been a while. It has. And switchy. You're looking fantastic. You're you in know good switch, color. You know Switchy. Uh, thank you. Switchy, I should say good colors, plural. Excuse switchy me. has the, this is going to be a short segment, baby. Okay, this Switchy enough. has the flying saucer behind. <laughs> There's too many laughs in the room. And also our good friend, Tony Cisneros, is joining us. The one who has the baseball cap on. How's it going? Okay. Hello, now, Dribbles, Tony. Dribbles uh, has joined us intermittently. In fact, why don't we just stop the show and we'll go through it, okay? Man, I can't believe I got talked into this. Here we go. All right. Okay. Yeah, you better be funny there, brother. Here we go. One thirty. Welcome back, everyone, to Mac Maloney's Mill Tracks. I've been show. threatened. Wow. Okay. Let's try again. Hang on. Let's go one forty-five. See what happens. Welcome back, everyone, to Mac Maloney's Miltrack Sauce Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. Wow, we're just at the beginning of the show, but already it's gone off the rails. No JJ tonight, no Juan Juan girls. Maybe that's the problem. But filling in, we hoped, up there in his uh, compound in the great state of Maine is Commander Cobra. Coco, how you doing? Privilege, Mac, to be in the formation. Okay. And what a show you have rolling tonight. My goodness. Are you pig-free? Yes, the, okay, uh, the Zeppelin is with uh, Mrs. Cobra downstairs. Okay, and you want to give us the weigh-in? This is a pig that weighed about three pounds three weeks ago. How I much? believe he's between 20 and 25 pounds. Wow, he's, okay. Uh, someplace between 20 and 25. Like I said, he's a ham dinner waiting to happen. Um, also, our um, national correspondent, Switchblade, Steve Ward, up there in uh, Battle Creek, Michigan. Switchy. Great to be here tonight, okay. Mac. Yep. Big bowl of frosted flakes this morning. Started out your day well. Yep, two percent milk and hot black coffee. Right. Do you have anything exciting for lunch? Uh, or expanding the repertoire. I can't remember. Not really. I uh, had a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It wasn't it's really a proper lunch. Poopery. Okay, good for you. Uh, also, That's the whole show in itself. Yeah, what is Switch think is a proper lunch? I'll tell you um, what I had for dinner, though. What you have for dinner? Tell us. Uh, I had a uh, some chili from frost from uh, from Wendy's oh. and a medium frosty and a medium fry. Wow. Okay. And actually, I still have some of that chili left. For Do later, you really? You know, yeah. Things can slow down here a little bit. I might heat it up and, and eat it on air. Let us know. Please update us on the chili. Holy cow! Okay. Oh, you'll see it. You'll see it. Okay. Somehow, I, I I admire you more now, Switchy. Maybe we should do what did Switch have for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? How about that? Sell it as a trail, no? Oh, man, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, that's you know, yeah. to plan all those meals. You right. Know, to try and he be, tried uh, to show you know, off. Right. No wonder he's losing his hair. Okay. Awesome. Our favorite witch up there in upstate New York. Raven, how you doing? Raven, how are you tonight? Hello, I'm doing good. How are you? She's got a new hat on, folks. New hat. It looks like it says Miller Beer on it, but it really says what? It says tattooed low life. Yeah. 
my favorite band. Valley Lafaso is also yeah, joining us. Uh, favorite empath, Valley. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Max. So happy to be here with this uh, Motley Crew tonight. Motley Crew. Okay. Hopefully, she's talking about the band. Also, let me get back to you for a second. But uh, Tony Cisneros is also joining us up there in uh, on the West Coast. You're up in uh, Oregon or Washington or someplace, right, Tony? Where are you? Uh, yeah, just outside, just outside of Portland, Oregon, Max. Right, and you had a lot of wind. You had power problems and stuff uh, today, right? Bad weather. I did. Yes, it's it's uh, it's still a little windy out, but um, as long as you see me here, I'm still with you. Yeah, cool. Uh, Tony uh, runs uh, Alp Ventures. As long as it lasts, they run um, tours of World War II ba- European battle sites from Normandy right to Berlin. AlpVentures.com. That's the that's the uh, website, right? Yes, outventures.com, correct. Ventures.com. Yeah, ALP Ventures. He also does great music videos. Um, so thanks for joining us and, and hanging in with us. And now, hopefully I've introduced everybody because now we have a mystery guest, and this is just getting more bizarre than ever because of that face. Okay, joining us after a long absence, uh, having to do a lot with his legal representation, sending us threatening letters. But now here he is back crawling to us. Wow, dribbles the clown. Look at him. Uh, Dribbles, how are you doing? Dribbles. Hello, guys. <laughs> yes. Long time no Steve. Right. Yes, yes. Wow. Wow. Okay. So have you ever seen a UFO? How do we tie this in? You've, you've seen UFOs and ghosts and stuff, right? <laughs> are you asking me, yeah, Matt? There you go. All right. Listen, let's just go through your history a little bit. Um. So uh, you, all right. uh, you're okay. a clown, okay, and then you got into scorpion bowls, okay, you got married, you got divorced, you got remarried, then you went to rehab, and then you went into a monastery, then you came out, and you were a comedian priest, yeah. you started by doing the little chapels first, but, and you worked yourself up to cathedrals, and then we got letters from your lawyer, and that's the last we were in touch with you. How's that? Well, well, that's true, but I got something new for you. Oh, good. Now I am a knight. Witness Sir Dribbles the Clown. Really? <laughs> Who knighted you? Who knighted you, yes. Why, it was the queen. Thank you. The queen? Burger King? Who knighted you? <laughs> Down in Greenwich Village somewhere? Who well, knighted you? It was self-knighted, probably, no, knowing you. The, no, the wonderful Queen Elizabeth. In fact, I, I don't know if you've noticed my accent, but... Uh, I've tried to tamp it down a little. Really? You're doing, Tory. You're no doing a great job at that. Right. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you. So listen, so basically you're wrong, just as a tease to say, and that at some point we're in legal negotiations, you'll be able to join us for longer segments, more or less full, not full time, but occasionally, correct? Is that, is that the language? Uh. My lawyer says, let's see how it goes. Oh, boy. Okay, yeah. It's all part of the rehabilitation, Mac. Yeah, I'll see. And now, listen, I just want to say that, and boy, this is going to be embarrassing, but you have done, you know, you used to have a business where you would do kids' parties, correct? And you ran into... That is true. Uh, ...mothers that kind of liked sex with big shoes, correct? Hey, not in front of the ladies. Okay, I don't mind. All right. See, he is rehabilitated. <laughs> yes, Thank you. In the old days, he would be showing his shoes. That's now true. He's, now he's now he's all yeah. squared away. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I wasn't. I wasn't told this is how it was going to be, oh, boys. This okay. is. We got to play it up front and okay. center. Okay. So you'll be joining us soon. Is that it? 
Is that the elevator pitch? You'll be joining us right. soon? Okay. All right? Good happening. Okay. Well, good for you for holding back all your really funny material tonight. That's wise planning. So do you have anything you want to say in conclusion? Uh, well, it's been a very, very lonely time for Dribbles the Clown, even though he was knighted. Yes, and uh, it's it's nice to be here with everybody and to see everybody what with the going on and all that. There we go. We got to cut that out. Thank you very much, Dribbles. So we'll talk to you soon. Okay, all right, Dribbles. All okay. right. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. I tell you something. The Mets are going to suck this year. Okay, I said it first. All right. Oh, now make you feel better. Dribbles the okay. <laughs> Thank you, Dribbles. And I'll tell you what, why don't we just... Great gentle work, though, Dribbles. You look yeah. great. Yeah. I'm glad to see you when you were on the inside, they worked on the teeth. You really look... It's mm. a marvelous smiley out there. It's amazing what they can do these days with the plants. Oh, it's disgusting. So listen, yeah, why don't we get out of this? Implants plants as as are fantastic. Why don't we do this? Why don't we take a commercial break now? And Let me just... I'm sorry, Valley, the empath, do you want to want to take a pulse of the show now? Tony looks like he's in shock. Really don't. <laughs> no, don't, don't, don't. Okay. I, I believe Valerie said everything that we all wanted to say. <laughs> All right, why don't we just go to commercial then? Hey, welcome back, everyone, to Mac Maloney's Military X-Files show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. Uh, very famous Juan Juan is here tonight. And yes, we know, sir. How are you doing, Mac? We know uh, Switchblade is in the room because it sounds like he's having a fight with someone. I know. He's just, well, usually surrounded by technology. And he, is that right? Any moves and everything? Okay. Switchblade. together. You okay there, Switchy? Uh, I'm, I'm fine. Okay. I guess I'm just fighting my inner demons. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah? Good for you. <laughs> Also, thanks for sharing that with us. On how's line, that fight going? On the line with us, we don't have time for that one. How many are there? We're in a special seven-minute segment. Okay, oh, really? All right, here okay. we go, and we're already going thirty-eight minutes, uh, thirty-eight seconds. On anyway, Jeez, um, sorry. I think we should start it over. Ready? We'll just count it off here. Okay. All right. Coming down on three, two, one. Welcome back, everyone, to Mac Maloney's Military Express Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. We're having a uh, fun time tonight in the studio with us tonight. The yeah. very famous Juan Juan is here. I love it here. Ten yeah, good to see weeks in a row mm -hmm. um, on the uh, phone with us, Switchblade Steve Ward from the Bowl of Flakes up there in Michigan. Uh, doing great, just fighting my inner demons. Okay. <laughs> Where did I hear that before? Oh, I get that in there again. You know, it, was, it was too good to pass up. Okay. And also joining us. I hope he's winning. I should keep thinking about it. At, uh, yeah, who's winning? Like, who's winning? Like you this. or? Demons right now. Demons winning. Wow, interesting. Yeah. Good name for a book. Good just... name for a, for a band. <laughs> demons winning. Right? <laughs> CD. Anyway. Like Miller's um, Crossing. Right, exactly. Has the same. Whatever. Yeah. Also, um, at great expense, lightening up the night for us. I said lighting up the night Lightning for us. or lighting? Both. Both. Okay. okay. Uh, Emily Minamaya. She's like smokestack lightning. Emily M. <laughs> Hello, gentlemen. Great song by the Yardbirds. Wow. How do you put up with this, Em? Any idea? Have, have you, you know, laid in bed late at night and go, why do I do that with these guys? You know? Why do I let him, <laughs> why do I let him friend me on Facebook? <laughs> she hasn't friended you yet? Oh, yeah, she has. She, she probably, unfriended probably, you? No, she's probably okay. regretting it. If she unfriends you, you report that to me right away, okay? Because we're going <laughs> to. That would be a major problem, frankly. PR problem. Well, if she really had a problem, she could block me. There we go. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why, but. So, listen, we have to do this segment tonight. We're testing it out, as they say in the biz one, one, okay? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, what we're going to do, we're going to turn it over to you and Em. And this segment is now called. Ten questions for one one. 
Okay. And we have to do this. What if I don't have 10 answers? Oh, you'll have 10 answers. We have to do this in four minutes and 30 seconds. Okay. So our first segment ever of 10 questions for one one with Emily Miedemeyer. All right. Go ahead, Em. Okay. Question number one. This is really important. You may need a moment to think about it. (laughs) Who is your favorite Jonas brother? Favorite what brother? Oh, boy. Jonas brother. Jonas. Okay. Question two, Em. We got to move on. (laughs) That's the name of a fish. We'll we'll come back to that one another time. That's the name of a fish. You can come back to that one, one, but I can tell by the look in your face, you don't know. Okay. Go, go, please, Em. Jonas and the whale. Yeah, I get it. Right. Remember? (laughs) It's a biblical thing. Question two. Okay. Next question, somewhat related. Have you ever sent a fan letter to a celebrity? Yes. Oh. Who? Keith Richards on his birthday. Did you really? Yep. I knew it. Yep. Did he respond? As a matter of fact, he, he, was in, he was in town with the expensive winos. No, he did not. I was oh, bummed. But I'm sure the letter got lost in the mail. You know, you know how the postal system is. Okay. I mailed two. One to the uh, Orpheum Theater and one to, one to his what I thought was his home in Connecticut. Oh, okay. And it turned out to be? To the best of my knowledge. A police station in Connecticut? <laughs> it didn't bounce back. Okay. So. Question three. Okay. Question three. Before I ask this. Is Coco on tonight? No, Coco is, uh, he's out on a secret okay. mission, has not called in yet, has not reported in. All right, in. well, this this might be for the best then. Okay. All right, one one. Right. If you were on a life raft with Tom Brady and Commander Cobra and <laughs> had to throw one off, who would it be? Oh, that's easy, you know. That's easy. It'd be Cobra. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Next question. we got two minutes and 30 seconds. Okay. Left. Have you ever been detained by the police? Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Long story. For something other than a uh, speeding ticket? Yes. No. No, okay. That's his story. Just for He can't talk about it, is what he's saying to me. Okay, go ahead, please. (laughs) Okay, I must not have read this one the first time. Um, Why do you hate Mexicans? Oh, see, that's Uh, not uh, right. Oh. (laughs) Whoa. I do not hate Mexicans. He does not. Okay, next question. Gonna say. Come on. Excellent food. Okay. What's your beef with the Nazis? Oh, I'll tell you, the Nazis, first off, they were everywhere. They were infiltrating everybody's society and, uh, back then, you know, Mm -hmm. stupid rallies and, you know, hypnotizing everybody. Right. Yes. And then they just went, you know, conquering fools and, uh, they, they got their recompense. Is that the word? As we, uh, at the end. As we talked about either earlier or later on in the show. I think there's anything good about them. The, uh, Enigma machine and their Ultra machine that they thought. Was the best decoding machine ever? Right. You know, really kind of failed them, and uh, uh, you know they weren't they weren't smart enough to figure it out. You know, so they were kind of dummies. Hey, okay, next. Yeah, uh, so sorry, that's that's your beef with them. That's that my beef stupid. with the Nazis. Yeah, they were dumb. Yeah. They were right. dumb. Okay. I don't find them anywhere humorous or anything like no, that. No, they didn't have a whole lot of humor. No. Though. But uh, please, Emma, go ahead. All right, all right, one one. You're right. an IT guy. That's right. You yes. ever turned a customer into the police for stuff you found on their computer? Whoa. Uh, I came close. <laughs> I came close. I had a customer who was a former cop. I'm not oh, going to say okay. where. <laughs> okay, perfect. And he was married to, actually, his wife was really the customer. She was the one that actually okay. called me. Yep. And she uh, had seconds. a double mastectomy. Oh, all right, 40 seconds. Go ahead. And. Please. He was into cigar porn. I mean, she was beautiful. <laughs> Next question. Next question. Yeah. Yeah, please. Okay. If you know what I mean. Is Giselle right or wrong for Tom? 
I think he, I think she's right for him because she's got that bubbly, effervescent personality so. that that, yeah. t- that Tom yeah. needs. He feeds off of it. Oh, they feed yeah. off each other, I think. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Please. Next one. All right. What embarrassing thing would we find on your computer? Oh. Oh. Uh, maybe too many pictures of Keith Richards. There we go. That's yeah. okay. <laughs> Plus, it's, he's my he's my wallpaper and yeah. uh, once again, we should probably get to the last question. Was yeah. Tom Brady? Okay. What song would you be embarrassed by if people knew you liked it? Barry Manilow songs. Oh wow, Mandy. <laughs> yeah, yes. You got a thing for him? It was on the radio. It was on Magic Satellite Radio the other okay. day, and I turn up the volume. Really? Yeah. Yeah. In that cool kind. I might you have been listening that? to the Rolling Stones right there. before then, but wow, Mandy, yeah. and a lot of those mellow tunes, even up to Coca Cabana. Huh. Wow. Uh, I have uh, his greatest hits on uh, another drive. Another chapter of your life. We had no Barry Manilow. I did. You were into Barry Manilow. <laughs> just okay. ask. Just ask my wife. Uh, you know, we got to get her on sometime. So we got to do it at like a show with her. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't the think it's the American Bandstand theme. He wrote that. Anyway. Thank I you. I wrote the songs. Thank you, M, for participating in this with the Gala Tees and the business. We'll let you know how it goes. And when we take a commercial break right now, we'll be right back after this. You'll listen to Mac Money's Milljack Style Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. Uh, okay. So, listen. So, uh, a couple weeks ago, we, uh, more than a few weeks ago, um, we uh, announced that uh, the gang is putting together a band, another band, another rock band. Okay, and we asked people out there uh, for suggestions for the name of the band. Okay, we were overloaded with them, but we took the top ten, and Raven has the list. Okay, so these are uh, uh, listener suggestions for the name of our new rock band. Okay, top ten. Do you have the list there, Raven? I do. Okay. All well, right. there we go. Number ten. <laughs> one one and the buns. <laughs> one, one and the buns. I knew that was coming. Right. X is muted. Can someone tell X that he's muted, please? One one and the buns. Yeah, he's okay. throwing up right now when he heard uh, that, that uh, band title. So he does. He'll he'll come off. He'll come back <laughs> on his mic when he's done vomiting. Yes, oh, oh wow, that bad. Okay, all right. Number nine, no, please. I, I, I muted because oh. I didn't want to uh, express. Disgust uh, at one one funds. We understand. Mm. Number nine, please, Raven. <laughs> Number nine, the Craven Ravens. The oh, Craven I like Ravens. That. that. That top little head list right there. Top I love of the that list. one. The Craven Ravens. It, you can. That's perfect. I like you that can one. Think of it two or three different ways. Okay. Oh, go ahead. absolutely. Just Number eight, n- names for the gang's new rock band. Number eight. Something new, something switchy. <laughs> something oh, new, something yeah. switchy. Yeah. Soft talk jazz. About, talk Soft about jazz. current to the times that we live in. Oh, yeah. How about breakfast or switchy? <laughs> breakfast okay, please. switchy. Switchy breakfast. Number seven, club. please. Raven. Seven, the Buntles. The Buntles. <laughs> the Buntles. <laughs> Just keep moving. Keep moving. <laughs> the Buntles. Okay. Number six, please. Name for the gang's rock band. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling there's not enough alcohol in the world to help Here this one. Teddy and the testicles. Teddy and the testicles. <laughs> Teddy, put Teddy. Okay. I just heard a horse go, nay, in the background. Like Rob Brooker. Wow. Okay. All right. Next, please. Quick. Number five. Big Mac and the Fries. Big Mac and the Fries. I like that one. I like that one. Big Mac and the Fries. One and two right there. Okay. Okay. Next, please. Or Los Cocos. Los Cocos. <laughs> we'll put a, we'll put a, some Mexican music yeah, in with it. No? I'm not sure that's going to work. Okay. All that right. could be cultural yeah. appropriation. 
Swing you can and make a, miss. a hat out of a chip and then put the dip in the hat and then just <laughs> yeah. break off the hat and dip it and then eat the chip. Perfect. Yeah. That's genius, man. Yeah. I, I love I love it, Raven, but we don't do album covers anymore, Tweety. So yeah. that's that that stuff's not gonna happen. Okay. Like the old Devo no, it's hat. coming out in vinyl. Coming out like in vinyl. Balls, right? JJ. Okay. Uh, next, please. Number three or four? Uh, three, three, three. three. Uh, switch and the baby sausages. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's a little cruel. That, that's a little cruel. Especially where he's not that, here. That, that, <laughs> that crosses a lot of lines. That, that oh, has uh, strong possibilities. Oh, uh, that's probably I think, I think uh, Raven Craven just threw up her mouth a little bit on okay, that good. one. It's all right. Okay. Number two, please. Number two, the red hot cross buns. <laughs> that's good. The red hot cross buns. Red Hot Cross I'm Buns. Not, that, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not playing on that one. No, no. Okay. All right. So we're down to number one. This is uh, listener suggestions for the name of the gangster rock band. Please. Number one. Number one is Two and a Hat featuring Willie Club. Little <laughs> <laughs> inside. Little yes. Boston-ish. Two in the Hat. <laughs> Jocko gets it. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. We'll put a little Whoever wrote this gets a gold star. I think going. you're okay. right, Jocko. They just land in my lap. Okay. So anyway, well, there we go. So why don't we do this? That was a quick segment. Why don't we take a very quick break now? And we'll be right back. You're listening to Macaloni's Military Action Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. Please stay tuned. Okay. So anyway, we're going to start the show off with a bit. Okay. As always. And uh, this one is going out in the edge. This is almost fringe-like. This is the five really bad jokes about members of the show. Okay, five really bad jokes about members of the show. I asked Lonely Larry if he would be on tonight because one of the jokes involves him, but he's too busy playing pool, so we'll have to go on without him. So, Raven, you have the five bad jokes? I do. Okay. Are we ready? We are ready. Let's go. Five bad jokes about the uh, members of the cast, members of the gang, the crew. Let's start the music right now. Number five, please. Okay, uh, Club, Al Ronaldo, and Jocko walk into a bar, but Raven ducked and was unhurt. I think that's funny. <laughs> I like it. Get it? Okay, here we go. Number four, please. Bad jokes about the group. Number four, Switch and his neighborhood's freeloading dog, Mulligan, go into a bar. Switch tells the bartender he'll bet him $100 that Mulligan is the smartest dog in the world. As proof, Switch says to Mulligan, what's on top of a house? Mulligan goes, roof. He asks him, who is best? Who is best baseball player ever? Mulligan goes, roof. But the bartender stops him there and says, any dog can do that. He tells Switch to go into the men's room and wait there while he gives Mulligan a task. If the dog completes it, the bartender will give Switch $100. If he fails, Switch has to give the bartender one hundred dollars. Switch agrees. Once he's gone to the once he's gone, the bartender gives Mulligan a twenty dollar bill and tells him to run across the street to the liquor store, buy a bottle of whiskey, and bring it back. Mulligan takes the money, runs and runs out of the door. Twenty minutes go by, but Mulligan doesn't return. Finally, Switch comes out of the men's room, pays the bartender one hundred dollars, and leaves. He finds Mulligan in the alley next door having sex with a poodle. He says to him, hey, what happened? We've had, we've had this great scam going for years, but you've never done anything like this before. To which Mulligan replies, 
Well, I never had 20 bucks before. Boom! <laughs> okay, bada boom. Come on. Whoever, whoever wrote that, it was great. Okay. <laughs> I was cracking <laughs> Okay, well, number three, please. Bad jokes about the crew. Talk about number high strangeness. Yes. Yeah. Did you He's know? A pretty smart dog. Yes. <laughs> Did Roof. you know that not only is Lonely Larry a proud Polish descent, He's also a well-respected architect and engineer. One day, the Polish president asked to meet with him. He tells Larry he wants to put an end to all Polish jokes forever. And the way to do it is for Larry to build a monument to the Polish people that's so grand and beautiful, no one will ever make a joke about Polish people again. He gives Larry $100 million and tells him to report back when he's done. Six months later, Lonely Larry reports back. He tells the president that they've built the most magnificent bridge in the world. It's huge, very modern looking, and it's like a work of art. The Polish president is very happy. He asks Larry, where is it? Larry says, well, because it's so big, we had we had to build it in the Sahara Desert. The Polish president goes nuts. He says, you built a bridge in the desert? You idiot. Now there'll be more Polish jokes than ever. You have to get rid of it. I order you to blow it up immediately. But Lonely Larry says, I can't. The Polish president asks him, why not? And Lonely Larry says, because there's 5,000 Italians fishing off it. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that got Jocko right in the uh, solar plexus. They got a knife out of me. Okay. All right, please. Uh, number uh, two? two? Two. Two. Yep. Bad jokes about the crew. Uh, Mag and Juan Juan rent a rowboat and go out fishing. They row around for about an hour with no luck, but then they find a spot where they start catching fish like crazy. Suddenly, Juan Juan takes out a marker and puts an X on the bottom of the boat. Max <laughs> says, what are you doing? JJ replies, this is, such a good, this is such a good place to catch fish. I want to mark the exact spot so we can come back tomorrow. To which Max says, you idiot. How do we how do we know we'll get the same boat tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Oh, I love these. These are like the perfect amount of cheesy. Oh, I love it. Everyone but Lois is laughing. Lois is it's Oh, she's smart. Oh, overhead. Okay. Well, you are short. So. Okay, here we go. The number one bad joke about members of the crew, please. Number one, Coco and Teddy the ballless horse go to Yankee Stadium. Coco tells the Yankees manager that Teddy is a fabulous baseball player and he wants the Yankees to put him on the team. The manager laughs at him and says, but he's a horse. Horses can't play baseball. Cece tells him, just give him a tryout. The manager agrees. Teddy takes a glove in his mouth, goes into the outfield and incredi <clears throat> incredibly catches every ball hit to him. He then goes to the pitcher's mound and using his mouth to throw strikes out 10 Yankees in a row. Then he takes a bat in his mouth and hits nothing but home runs on every pitch thrown to him. The manager is astonished. He says, my God, he can catch, he can pitch, and he can hit. It's amazing. But can he run? To which Coco says, if he could run, we wouldn't be here looking for a f***ing job. <laughs> <laughs> Uh -huh. all, right, all right, can we clap for ourselves and then we go? There you go. You'd be an aqueduct. Five bad jokes. Yeah, you'd be an aqueduct. Five bad jokes about the crew. Okay. Wow, look at the um, look at the spikes Excellent. there, honey bunch. 
Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> What's, that's, that's what what does the plasmeter say? It, it, it's <laughs> no, going crazy, believe me. No, no. So why don't we leave them laughing and take a uh, quick commercial break now, and we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Mac Maloney's Military Exile Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. The entire gang is here, and we'll be right back. We've all heard of Area 51, the U.S. government's top secret base in the Nevada desert. But have you ever heard of Area 52 or 53 or 54? 54? 54. How about Tonopah Test Range or the Navy's secret base inside the Bermuda Triangle? Find out about them and more in Mac Maloney's Beyond Area 51, Mysteries of the World's Most Forbidden Places. Did Richard Nixon show Jackie Gleason a crashed alien spaceship near the swamps of Florida? Is it true that more UFOs are seen over a small Scottish village than anywhere else in the world? And is there a secret place in Russia that some people think is heaven on earth? In Mac Maloney's Beyond Area 51, you'll visit more than a dozen top secret places around the globe. The haunted forests of New Jersey. A valley in Colorado where shadows come alive and humans can fly without wings. And where's the only secret base in America that's not been visited by UFOs? You've heard Mac talk all about these places on his radio show. Now you can read all about them yourself. That's Mac Maloney's Beyond Area 51, Mysteries of the World's Most Forbidden Places. Now on sale at Amazon. Welcome back, everyone, to Mac Maloney's Military Exile Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. I'm in the studio alone tonight. doesn't happen very often because one one is not here. His consecutive uh, appearance streak ended at 19, the same number of games the New England Patriots have to win this year to put a th- ring on their other thumb. I think that's why he ended it at 19. I have that feeling. I get the vibe. But anyway, he's not here. However, on the phone with us, Commander Cobra is there. Right. Good evening, sir. Okay. All right. I suppose um, you're going to have to just imagine me saluting you. Okay. In my heart, I know you are. Okay. Thank you. Um, and uh, also on the phone with us, sitting in for Juan Juan, not that anyone could take his seat. Actually, no one would want to. It's really heavily stained at this point. But Switchblade Steve Ward, co-host tonight. I, I know this is quite an honor, and I'm looking forward to you know when I get the paycheck to paycheck, find out yeah. just how much he's worth, just how much he makes a week. Well, let me tell you: sit down, take an aspirin, and then take a peek, okay? Because you might need okay. it. You might get the vapors, as they used to say. Someone will have to revive you. Uh, thanks for joining us. You're going to have to get a press agent soon there, Switch, because you're co-hosting the show. You're giving the big speech down at the Mothman Festival the third week in September, third Sunday in September, and then that week is going to be all Switch all week. Across our six networks, the best of Switchblade. I'm going to have to get uh, like a like a business card kind of a deal, you know. No, what you're going to have to get is is, is a bag of what looks like uh, talcum powder. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right, more to follow. <laughs> anyway, of course, we would do that. I would use it as talcum powder, and so would Cobra. However, as try as we might to be funny, it's all for naught because also on the phone with us is the king of funny. You know him. You might not love him. It's the one and only Dribbles the Clown. 
Okay, stepping all over his intro. Hello, Dribbles. Hey, hello there, guys. What, what, hey, how you doing, Mac? What were you doing? You know, radio is, silence is death on radio. Can I ask what you were doing? Well. Tying one of your big me? shoes? Well, listen. Sometimes I'm tying them. Sometimes I'm untying them. What can I say? Yeah. However, I will tell you that ever since my mother caught me when I was 12, tying them. Yep. I've been tying them ever since. <laughs> what are you doing in there, dribble? She said. And I said, I'm just tying my shoes, Ma. Did, do clown shoes ever come in as slip-ons? I don't think I've ever seen yeah. clown shoes and slip-ons. That's come into Cobra's. No, no, no. You've you got to tie them. You've got to tie them. Slip-ons. Rookies. Switchblade. Those are rookie clown shoes. Switchblade Steve Ward is also on the phone with us, Dribbles. I want you to get us all straight, Okay. Understood. Yeah, I, Understood. I, I got a feeling that your big red nose is uh, nose down in a in a in a margarita bowl or something, right? Is that right? You sound it. Are you are you still doing scorpion bowls scorpion by the uh, by the six? It's funny that you should mention that. I've actually moved on. Okay. Uh, these days, I'm drinking uh, liquid Viagra <laughs> and uh, something something called a, a bend over Shirley. No, hang on. And uh, liquid Viagra. That's Mexican for tequila. Go on, please. Uh, and a bend over Shirley. Uh, that's filthy. What do you mean bend? What is that? What kind of a drink is that? Do we even want to know? What? Uh, there's some raspberry vodka in there and Sprite and grenadine. It's a real drink. You can look it up. Be- why would it be called bend over Shirley? <laughs> okay. Well, all right. Well, is not answer is the you'd answer. Ha- you'd have to ask Shirley. Okay. All right. First one of the night, but. We will ask Shirley. She'll be on next week. All right. All right. So, uh, and I take it, you, I take it, you guys don't want to know what's in a golden shower. So we'll move on. Oh, come on now, see, we got to edit that out, Trips. Um, maybe I'm sorry. Maybe not. <laughs> so anyway, so your press agent, uh, speaking about press agent, sent me a one line kind of tease for this. Last time we talked to you, you were getting married. You got married to a stripper, correct? That's right. Okay, and how's the marriage yes, going? I can see a little white picket fence around your house. You already have two yeah, kids. Yeah, there was a little. Wasn't there like a pool, pool. on that uh, marriage back? Oh yes, there was. Ah, there yes, was. Su- there was supposed to be boys, but uh, Driblet, my little French clown stripper, she ran off with that rat smiley smile. <laughs> you know what? She said he had bigger shoes than me, but trust me, see, they weren't that much bigger. See, you know, what they say about shoes, and you know what I mean, right? If not, well, it's, it's make it not up. true in the clown world. Really? Okay. All right. Interesting. So, so you broke up with her. I could just see her just after two days going. Oh man, what am I doing with this clown? Literally. Tribbles. And you're going to pick on my joke? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was thinking of using that one myself. You just got clown slapped. Thank you. What's a big shoe? <laughs> Boy, when he when he takes that thing off, it's like like wham. He gets kind of mean. Yeah. Yep. You know. So uh, I'm sorry. Switch. Did I interrupt you? No, no. I was gonna I was gonna use the same joke, but uh, you know you, you you beat me to it. Okay. Well, okay. Thank you. So. I said the bad joke. You didn't fall into the same. Uh... That's right. Okay, you good. paved the way. Good. T- yeah. Good timing. Okay. So dribbles. Uh, you're supposed to be entertaining us uh, allegedly. Where are you these days? All right. Well, boys, I'm in Vegas. After after yeah. Driblet left me, I kicked everybody out of the clown car and I <laughs> headed down, baby. All right. I love that idea. Um, you know that the cops will tell you that when anyone is like on the run. Okay. Like. A husband on the run from his wife. 
bank robbers on the run from the law. Anyone who just wants to get lost, they always go to Las Vegas, and that's where they find 90% of these people. You know, it's like, I'm just going to hide in Vegas. You can't hide in Vegas. The cops are all over the place there. So I see a press release in your future there, Dribbles. Arrested for mm, drunken disorderly, maybe. Well, it could it could happen. It could happen. Listen, though, I've been having fun. Uh, I stayed at the Bellagio for about a week, mm-hmm. but I felt like Not I had circus, a pee circus? all the time. You don't have... Said this again? Not Circus Circus? I oh, thought right. you would have got a break. Hang on, hang on. Cobra. Coco. Very funny. Well, I, I will tell you guys, I did see the Beatles' love at the wind. Okay, hang on. Were, weren't, you, what? weren't you just in the middle of a Bellagio joke? I was in okay. the middle of a Why Bellagio you tell, joke, we, but you guys stepped all I know. Over. Well, that's the commander. That's his uh, M.O. So please, we need all the jokes we can. So please, repeat the oh, Bellagio joke. My tiny shoes are on. Okay. Sorry. See? You did it again. All right. I said that I stayed at the Bellagio for about a week, yes. but I felt like I had to pee all the time. So I had to take out of that. Do I have to explain why that is? Not, for, right, us. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Not for us that have been to, uh, to Vegas. Yes. And uh, so I moved on to the Mirage. No, you're going to have to explain so that. Was, why? Why? Do they have a big fountain or something? They Bellagio the Bellagio. The Bellagio, yeah. It, do they have a big fountain and that makes you <laughs> urinate? Is show. that right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm afraid, if I've got to explain, maybe this joke is just not going to work. Well, We're going to have to move on. Here's the judge and jury, right? I'm just saying. A very familiar sound to Dribbles. Go ahead, please. You went to the Mirage yeah, I and know. then what happened? Uh, all right, so then I I, uh, I saw the Beatles' Love at the Wind yes. by Cirque du Soleil. What kind of circus is that? There's no real clowns. There's bicycles in the air. Yes. There's no elephants. And then I saw four girls doing some kind of aerial, aerial yoga during Here Comes the Sun. Hmm. What's that? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, I will say, at the risk of alienating part of the, uh, the audience, that there are many clowns at Cirque du Soleil. They just have to be seated in the audience. Ah. Just, gonna run All I can battles. talk about is this, this clown. I can't talk about the others. Okay. All right. Uh, so, um, what you're saying, Coco, is that a lot of clowns go see the Beatles? Cirque du Soleil has some really great skilled arts. I've just never understood why they put it under the word of circus. Oh, oh I see. The way that it's that it's it's handled. Is that and the French word for circus? It's like it's like high theater, and it's not what we what we are accustomed to. There's no. You're saying it's not high theater in Las Vegas. What's the matter with? It? <laughs> That's about as high as it gets in Las Vegas, you know what I mean? But it's a lot of people on trapeze and dancing and music and feathers being waved around. Is that it, Drips? Yeah, more or less. More or less. So I got the hell out of there. Yes, okay. That's all you need to know. Yes. I walked out. I walked out. Yes. Right. Are and, you walking uh, around Vegas so- dressed as a clown? Are you Are you in Are you in clown when you're doing this? You blend, he, he just blends right in with the scenery. <laughs> no, it's a clown. He, he, he will not be found if <laughs> no. he wears that outfit. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> yes, so, are, are you ever out of clown? Are you ever I mean, out of clown? You, yes. I mean, the, the Joker um, is always the Joker, right? Uh, no, he's a sad clown. I can't believe that. Uh, please, Dribble, are you, are you ever out of clown? I would prefer to be in clown all the time. The only time I'm out of clown, boys is when I'm overly happy, but luckily I'm not ever overly happy, so I'm dressed like a clown all the time. I see. Okay. All right. 
overly happy. That's the way that works. Okay. All right. So I should tell you. I should tell you when I was shooting crap at Caesars, mm-hmm. I met a new girl. I oh, met good. a waitress named Bambi. Bambi. I, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I just I quick shot here back to that dribbles. You shot crap or craps? I'm and I'm not that I'm skilled in the arts of, of yes, gambling. It's a craps, but I've game. never heard of it. It's a craps game where you shoot craps. Right. Yeah. In the in the old okay, but in the old days we call it shooting crap. Shooting I understand crap. Okay. that some people drop an S, but uh, I'm from okay. the Damon Runyon school, boys. Okay, here's That's the shooting thing. crap. If I was there shooting craps, right, and a clown came up yeah. and he was in the line, I'd say uh, I'd cash out. You know, I wouldn't want to be playing with a clown, frankly. If that makes me a clown-ish, no. What would I be? I'd be anti-clown. Dribbles. Hope you're not going to be racist about me. Please say Me and my people. Yes. Now, I got to tell you, though, this girl Bambi, though, yes. my mother's not happy yep. because she's not a clown, and my mother said no mixed marriages. Oh, wait. Okay. All right. All right. How would you feel about the French one that you hooked up with? <laughs> yes, Dribbles. How'd that all work? Well, I, fi- I, I finally got her to talk to me after that, mm-hmm. but, you okay. know. Yeah. She's pretty sure I don't have any. Uh, I have no taste, she doesn't think. But I think I do. Well, okay. All right. That's all that's important. So uh, That's all that matters. Bambi, and I bet she probably dots that eye with a little hot, right? Well, what else? Okay. Yeah. Do you you know any Bambis who don't? No. So where are you uh, keeping her? What what cellar do you have her chained up? Listen. Thank you for blowing my cover. I don't have her anywhere. She's staying. She's staying with me at the Mirage. Okay, all right. And as long as long as uh, I keep winning at the tables, yep, she'll stay with me at the Mirage. There you go. Okay, all right. Um, mainly, I'm doing a little Texas Hold'em, some blackjack. Yes. Do you know what I won't do, boys? What? I won't put on that. Uh, I won't put on the. Uh, the Pampers and sit there at the one-armed bandits. Okay, that's the one line I will not cross. Put on the what? Put on the what? You guys know diapers. this. You guys know this. Old ladies put on diapers. I don't want to. I don't want to gross out your audience here. But then they stay all day. They sit at the one-armed bandits. Oh, and that geez. is not something I'm going to do. You just. I always used to think of Las Vegas as Oz. You know what I mean? The light, the city. Up in the sky, just drawing you to it. And now you've just kind of ruined that there, uh, Dribs. Thank you. Can I jump in real quick? I got Please. a couple things I wanted. To, it, so, Dribs, um, good news, bad news. Yeah. I guess in the bad news area, uh, I would like to get your reaction to the uh, passing of Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis. That must have been a big moment. Oh, I loved him, boys. He was great. Mm-hmm. Hey, that typewriter, that typewriter sketch. Yes. Ain't nothing better than that typewriter sketch. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're talking so to people it's gonna be, 80 years ago. It's going to be a sad thing. Yeah. yeah he, he, you know? he, he played some classical piece of music on the typewriter, didn't he? Was that the bit? He certainly did. Yeah. He certainly did. And uh, uh, he's going to be missed, guys. And let me tell you, we may say what we might say about Driplet, but the French, they mm-hmm. got him. They understood. That's why all you need to know about the French. French. And it really, I, 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 Mac, it completely took it right away from yeah. me there. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. On the good news side, you must be excited about uh, going to cinema uh, since you're all classed up out there in Vegas um, and seeing it when it comes out. It. 
I can't. I oh, can't wait remake. to see it. it. Oh, what do you mean? What are you talking about? It. The it. The it. The Stephen King novel being Stephen remade, King's right? Oh, uh, oh, remake oh, of the movie. Oh. It. It's the Ooh. pinnacle of, of scary clown. That. Ha- oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Tim Tim Curry played it uh, in the uh, TV miniseries. Oh yeah, isn't that right? Yeah, yep. that's correct. Ooh. You know, I, actually, so boy, I missed that. this. I'm psyched. No, it hasn't opened yet. It's yeah. it, it's going to open. I think you can go to the. Uh, um, I can't think of the the IMAX that's right near Caesars. Oh yeah, nice. Wow, that's wild. And if you show yeah. up in your normal attire, yeah. I believe many yeah. people probably buy you libations. <laughs> I think they'll lead him away in handcuffs. Ooh. Are you kidding me? If he shows up you in think a clown they give outfit, me another bend over Shirley? Oh, wait. Hang on. In All Vegas? Right. Maybe there's yeah. a day there. Wow. Right. I could probably get a bend over Greta over there. Well, well, oh. <laughs> I, I, okay. Switch. Coming alive. Uh, so, uh, Dribbles, didn't you tell me yeah. at one point you were going to adopt a kid from Somalia? Actually, I think you told me I was okay. going to adopt a kid from Somalia. Inside joke. Inside in, joke. Okay. In any case, it was a thought. It was a thought. But you see, now the driblet took off. Yes. You know, single clown parent families, they, they don't go so well with adopted children. You've got to have two clowns in the family. Right. It doesn't matter of what sex, but it's got to be a two clown family. Two clown family. Okay. All right. <laughs> Wow. Uh, uh, Steve, do you have any questions for Dribbles? Um, <clears throat> well, uh, I guess I don't Please. right now. <laughs> Please. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, I already asked about the We're uh, so the, disappointed the with the bed over Greta. Yeah, just, just <laughs> ask him again. Did you ask him about his shoes? That well, sounds exotic, by the way. Okay. I'm sure we'll there's some Uzo in there. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, when, when were you first fitted for clown shoes? Well, I remember the first time. My father brought me. Um, I was 16 the first time I was fitted for the clown shoes. And he, he said to me, you know what he said? He said, it's time we made you a man. There you go. And he brought me for clown shoes. Okay. Now, I, I imagine Thanks, that uh, they're probably more expensive than your, your, your standard Buster Browns, right? Buster Browns. So, did you have oh, to get yeah. to, you know what your feet were still growing? You probably had to buy you know another year or two another uh, bigger pair to bigger as pair. You ex- your feet got bigger. And that, that's the whole reason. My mother said he'll grow into them. But yeah. the next thing you know, I got size eighteen shoes. That's ridiculous. Right, right. Yes, it is ridiculous when you think about it on a deeper level. So um, let's get back to this uh, Bambi. That's your name, Bambi, right? Is she, is, is she into honking? Ah, uh, honking. Well, how about this? <laughs> after a few of the, after a few of those liquid Viagras, yes. she was into honking. Into honking. I should have asked that eighteen <laughs> eighteen minutes and five seconds ago. Um, yeah, so she's All I can tell you is, one minute we were drinking, and the next minute Elvis was marrying us. The Elvis. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah. And uh, is she uh, nose on or nose off? Um, it actually depends on her mood, okay. but, but I must, I must tell you, uh, on a good night, it's nose on. Nose Just on. Just saying. Excellent. Yeah. And shoes Just on saying. all the time. That's a, a good night. Right. Shoes on all the time. I'm guessing, right? Well, yeah. Until right at the end, <laughs> right at the moment of 
well, I can't say this for your yeah, audience. Pleasure. They go flying against the wall. <laughs> wow, all right. I have a visual of that for some reason. I don't know why. Well, uh, hopefully this relationship will last longer than your marriage, which lasted about two and a half days or so. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately. And, and she ran away with who? What's his name? Miles Galore. Say that name? again? What's his name? Who did she run away with? Smiley, Smiley, Smile, the clown. Smiley, Smile, the clown? So she yeah. actually ran off with some clown. Yes, literally. She it, did, it, yes. We're going back to that. Yes, she did. Okay. And I know the irony doesn't leave me. Yeah, right. It doesn't leave all of us. Hey, listen, couldn't he come up with a better name? He's a clown. He's supposed to be funny. Smiley, Mile? I mean, what's, that's terrible. Well, Smiley, Smiley, Smile. Uh, he was a big Beach Boys fan. and I think that's named after uh, an album it is. Called Smiles, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, uh, Dribs, uh, why don't you call the bartender over and tell him we'll buy the next drink, okay? The next scorpion bowl for you. All right. So That's we great. want a couple of Bendover Shirley's and a couple of Bendover Greta's. Wow. Hold on. <laughs> Two, three, four. Thank you, Dribbles. Please stay in touch, okay? Hey, always nice talking to you guys okay. all enjoy the time. Enjoy the cinema. Okay. Yeah, enjoy the yes, I, whatever you go to. Right. Are we getting all this I money? This is not a, are you winning that much at the tables that you're able to support your lifestyle out there? Well, I'll tell you what. When I finally run out, that's it, boys. I'm heading to Europe. I finally decided yep. I'm going to. It's time to see what they do over there. Oh, you don't want to know, I don't think. Uh, they, they, they probably love clams, though. They love mimes, right, in France, right? They well, we're going to – actually, I'm keeping out of France. Oh, okay. But there's a big circus. Uh, there's Blackpool Tower Circus in England. Oh, there's cool. Budapest yeah. Circus in Hungary. Sounds and like there's a lot of fun. even Circus Krona in Munich, boys. Really? Yeah. And, okay. uh, yeah, that stays put. That's in a building. So I'm thinking it's time. I'm, I'm thinking uh, German audiences are a tough audience for a clown. I'm just thinking that might be the case, right? That they are a little stern, yes. Yeah, okay, stern. All right, that's one way of putting it. Thank you, Dribbles, for um, you know joining us, and uh, good luck. Stay in touch. Keep laughing that funny man, okay? I will. You know what they say? They say, laugh, clown, laugh. That's right. Yep, they do say that. Yeah, yeah. And the interesting thing, they that do, didn't boy. happen tonight. He was supposed to make us laugh, but... You know, it's okay. Save up your best material for the next time you're on. I understand that. It's showbiz, right? Dribs. I work I will work on it, okay. boss. Okay. All right. Good luck to you and the little lady, okay? All right. Thank you very much. I'll tell Bambi you said hi. Okay. Thank you. Well All right. It, it was a pleasure, Dribbles. See you later. Always nice to speak to you and give my regards to Juan Juan. Will do. Yep. Yeah. It's a shame he wasn't here tonight. He was just added to the fun. And there he goes. I can see him walking away in his big shoes. Uh, well, why do we talk to him again, Commander? Why, why, is Dr- oh. why do we have Dr- – oh, because of the clown craze. Yeah, a year ago. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the guiding light to that crisis. <laughs> That's right, right. And, and I just... still suspect that he is uh, part of the reason that that thing got under control, yeah. that he, uh, he tapped man. the big clown ring yep. on the table – Right and uh, said it was time to start policing up because yep. I think a lot of those guys were not union clowns that right. were pulling yes. those shenanigans. Yes, right, right. It just brings me back to I think at the at the peak of it, it was Mrs. Cobra who said the most illuminating thing. We said, <laughs> "Why clowns?" and she said, "It's their time." <laughs> Remember that? 
Yes, and I believe that uh, Dribbles kind of echoed a similar sentiment right. yeah. okay. in a separate occasion okay. that it was time. Well, they should put a statue up of him in New York City so they can knock it down again. You know, that's what they're doing. But Well, I didn't want to get into that. Cause I'm not, we're not going. Show, I'm, gonna, I'm editing but, that. Uh, I do believe a few clown uh, statues will be coming down. Mm-hmm. Good. You know what I say? Take take down all the statues. Who cares? There you go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, we but take, not the Mothman statue. No, no, no. Not the Mothman thing. And also, you have to leave every big bo- big boy alone, right? It, oh, absolutely. The thing Are with, there that many of those left? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's one in Worcester. We drive by it all the time. The, like, they're different franchises. In, right. in Michigan, we have the Elias Brothers big boys. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, through, all through Michigan. Yeah, right. they completely have no competition. Yeah, right. Now you want to yeah, get good stuff. Why don't we take a commercial break now, and um, after that, we'll get back to the big shoes. So you're listening to Mac Maloney's Miltrax Files show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. We'll be right back after this. It's early medieval Europe. Norse marauders are pouring down from the north. Step riders threaten from the east, and Moorish raiders are surging up from the south. Now, as the Vikings plan an invasion of Ireland, the country's aging king must somehow protect his nation. But who is up to the task? Nordic sagas tell us an obscure and unlikely hero arises to save his people. Wolf of Clontarf leaps into history as a nightmare to the Norse and avenger for the Celts. It's Vikings meets Braveheart as this legendary Irish warrior, some medieval special operations forces, and a young woman spy help the Irish king defeat the Viking invaders. It's a tale spanning 15 years and leading up to the most decisive battle of the Middle Ages. That's Wolf of Clontarf, a new novel from Thomas J. Howley, now on Amazon. Welcome back, everyone, to Macaroni's Millitrack Style Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Macaroni. Wow, I'm here in the studio uh, tonight with the lovely Lois Lane. Hi, Mac. Hi, everybody. It's been a fun night so far. Is it a fun night? Yeah, good for you. What is fun? Can you <laughs> define fun, please? <laughs> the 46 fun. times it took us to open the show? Was That's that fun? fun. Yep. Um, okay. Just being with you and uh, having lots of laughs. Oh, well, it's fun, yeah. fun, fun, fun. It goes hand in hand, I guess. We'll look at it. So um, what did you uh, – you said you had an email for me so here? So what <clears> – I don't know if you remember this, but a couple of weeks ago we read some questions that came in from the fans just asking about the show and behind the scenes peek at what goes on. And since then we had asked fans to write in and we have some more. Would you like to hear some of the questions and – Answer them? Sure, yeah, why not? What's the first question? Well, first I'm going to say start the music. And the first question is, does Cobra really own a ballas horse? That's... People want to know. Inquiring minds want to know. That's the 10th question. What's number one going to be like? Um, (laughs) Yes, he does own a a horse that has been, uh, you know, spayed and neutered, whatever they call it, in the horse world. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, 
His name is um, Teddy. Teddy. Teddy the ball of sauce. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Okay. All right. Next. Have one. you seen him? Yeah, he's always at the parties, uh, walking around, <laughs> walking serving around. drinks, you know, and so on. Okay, number nine. Okay, so people have heard about this ghost at the radio station. Is that real, or is it just a bit? It's not a bit. I mean, we have been at the station uh, late at night. Uh, what happens is that the regular day crew goes home around 5 o'clock. We come in around 5, and we uh, kind of pass like ships in the night. Uh, but uh, a lot of times it's just one one and I there, or sometimes just myself there. And, uh, you know, it's an empty building at night. And uh, one night we were there. Uh, this is when we first started broadcasting from WXEX in Exeter, New Hampshire. We were there, I think, the third or fourth week, and— um, one uh, saw this guy walk by the uh, door to the uh, studio, waved to him, and then uh, when we went to a break, I said to Juan, Juan, um, you know, who are you waving to? He says, well, that guy there. And I said, what guy? I didn't see a guy. So anyway, we searched the uh, the building, and we couldn't uh, find anything or anybody. And um, so then we, you know, thought, wow, who the heck was that? And all the doors were locked and so on. And if you come in the door, a bell rings. So we just couldn't, you know, fathom who this might be. But we thought it was just like another DJ. Who knows? So um, the next day, we asked Pistol Pete, who owns the station, one of uh, seven in his uh, network in New England, you know, who might have been there the night before. He says, no, no one was there. I wasn't expecting anyone. None of the DJs came in, none of the sales guys. So... Um, you know, Juan saw something, and then, you know, in subsequent weeks, you know, we would say something about Bob the Ghost on the air, and the lights would blink, and um, we have heard doors opening and closing. I think that happened to you once, Lois, when right. you are up there. One night, one night I was there with you, and we heard, I definitely, I jumped up out of my chair because I heard somebody come in, and I just thought, ooh, who could that be? And there was nobody, but we heard the bell mm. as though the door had opened, and it was locked. Yeah. It was <laughs> so, locked. So kind of creepy. Yeah. So uh, it's creepy. not a bit. These things, uh, you know, these things have happened. And, um, yeah. you know, so uh, maybe we'll meet them someday. But this, this, as the story goes, is that um, we call him Bob the Ghost because the gentleman who was the engineer for this radio station where we are at, WXEX in Exeter, we've talked about it many times. It's like in a normal house in a normal neighborhood you have to look twice to realize that it's anything but a normal house, that it's actually a radio station. But um, it's been there for a while, and the engineer used to live just like one door away, Bob the engineer, and uh, I guess he passed away. Uh, some stories say he passed away at his house, which is only a few hundred feet away from the station. Some say he passed away in the station. So we figure if there is uh, anyone haunting the place, it would probably be Bob the engineer. So thus, Bob the ghost. Hmm. Well. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. We'll keep you posted as the Bob the Ghost continues to visit us. Right. So um, there is another question, okay. completely off the subject and a little less mysterious. People are wondering about Willie at the Willie Club yes. and wondering if he's really the tough guy you portray him as. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, Willie Club is an actual tough guy. Uh, he's from uh, Everett, Mass., uh, which is uh, one of the hoods. I uh, grew up in Dorchester, Mass. He grew up in Everett, Mass. Um, he, I wouldn't fool any with anyone from Everett. He's a tough guy. And he's also like the adult in the room when we do the show. So so perfect guy to do security. Exactly. Is that true? Right. 
So the next question is about Juan, and people are really curious about his eating habits. Does he really <laughs> eat as much as you guys talk about, and why? And how come he's not 400 pounds? Right. Well, he's not 400 pounds. Um, he probably eats more than we talk about. I've seen him, you know, after a long day, and then we do the show, and then we're out for drinks, and it's, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, and he is like just devouring, you know, double cheeseburger hamburgers with bacon on them and, and um, chicken wings and uh, fries. And, and then he, you know, and, and, and then he, like, drives home. You know, I, I <laughs> and don't orders understand. dessert. <laughs> right. And he was also the guy who, uh, you know, used to get, there was a, there's a store here, you know, in town. They used to sell four hot dogs for a dollar. I don't know <laughs> if they do that anymore, do they? Uh, I think it might have gone yeah. up to $2, okay, but, but I'm they sure still it's, sell them. And it's not prime beef, I'm, I can <laughs> tell you. And he told me he used to eat those all the time for lunch. And then he'd go to some place where, uh, you know, he'd get, like, six donuts and eat them and... <laughs> It's amazing, but I've seen him do it. And and after polishing off like uh, two, maybe three chocolate martinis too, he has just this <laughs> iron stomach and mm, and a high metabolism. Yeah, right. Because he's not he's not uh, you know chubby at all. Not at all. All right. Well, Juan, everybody was wondering about you. So next, people are wondering about: Is there any subject that is off limits? Any subject that you guys won't talk about on the show? Uh, wow, good question. Um, we don't talk politics in all uh, aspects of that. Um, we don't good talk. Advice. Cur- we don't talk current pol- politics ever. Sometimes we get into politics, you know, as part of um, one of our uh, history segments, but we do not talk current politics. Um, I do not uh, want to talk to anyone who believed that the Nazis had help during World War II from aliens. 44 light years away and that they had a base on the moon and they were down in Antarctica and all that. That's all just nonsense. And that they had flying saucers going against our bomber formations and so on. Uh, that's just nonsense. And all that is is just, you know, promoting this myth that the Nazis were these uh, supermen, you know. And um, I always, uh, anytime I'm talking to someone like that and I make my feelings known, I say to them, well, if if, if they had all this help from outer space and had all these cool things, bases on the moon and stuff, um, flying saucers. Why did they lose the war, right? Excellent point. That's kind of logical, and sometimes people defy logic. Okay, next question. People are wondering if anyone is related to anyone on the show. Uh, no. Someone wrote me the other day wondering, like, kind of the same thing. And uh, I don't know why they think, um, you know, a while ago people thought that somehow Cobra and I were related. But, mm. you know, we're not. Um, there's no one on the show who's related to anybody. Mm. There are a few guests who are related, like Larry. Well, only Larry is Raven's father. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Yeah. But everybody else everyone is Everyone else just is. Yeah, no. Not connected. No, not connected. All right. So inquiring minds would also like to know, why does Mac know so many rock stars? <laughs> Do I know a lot of rock stars? Lois? Well, Do you, I? I, yes. Okay. I mean, more than the average Joe. Um, um, well, this is why. Um, years ago, probably, uh, you know, a few years ago, I uh, used to work for a um, record label from uh, out of London called Voice Print Records. And they would, um, a lot of their business was um, reprinting and also doing new albums, so what we would call classic British bands. And I'm talking about bands like the Moody Blues and um, uh, Yes and um, King Crimson, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, um, bands like that. So uh, I was their um, 
and our guy and also their publicity guy for the U.S. So when these people would do tours or whatever, or they would have a new record coming out, I would, uh, you know, by part of my job, get in touch with them. And, um, you know, we'd crank up some kind of a promotion thing and we'd promote the record and so on, you know. And that's what I did for about, um, I'm going to say about three years, maybe three or four years. Absolutely. Right. And um, so I stayed in touch with, um, you know, the ones that I liked, the ones that I got <laughs> along with. Um, but um, it was a good job. And I did get to meet a lot of interesting people. However, just like anything else, okay, half the people that I met, these, you know, rock stars, and they were rock stars, famous people, were good guys. And the other 50% are just total a-holes. I mean, <laughs> total a-holes. And, uh, and they really made it, um, you know, not a pleasant um, job, you know. They would really go out of their way just to be jerks and um, treat their fans terribly and uh, just do stuff like not show up for interviews and, you know, as if uh, they were much bigger deals than they were. Because, I mean, these are classic rock bands now. They were very famous way back when. They're just kind of famous now. Uh, and uh, some of the airs that some of these people put on were just kind of beyond belief. So after a while, it just got to be a drag, and uh, I stopped doing that. But I remained friends with, um, you know, a lot of the people. Uh, Tom Brislin, who's the keyboard player in Kansas, uh, known him for quite a while. Matt Maley, bass player for Counting Crows, you know. Uh, we know him. He's on the show a lot. Um, you know, I get to know uh, Rick Wakeman from Yes. I mean, Patrick Moraz from the Moody Blues. You know, Absolutely. he's a friend. You know, we... Uh, we know him quite well, and um, and just other people, you know, that have been on the show. They remember me. I remember them. We've stayed in touch, and uh, we have a chance for them to come on uh, one of our musical shows. Uh, uh, they come on. So, uh, yeah, that's how I know so many rock stars. Lois. <laughs> well, it's disappointing to hear that some of them were sort of jerks, but I guess that just goes to show they're normal people, right? And half of the population is kind and half of them are jerks. Right, so right. Um, so on to our next question. Number three is, was Jocko really a New York City cop? Yes, Jocko is really a New York City cop, was a New York City cop. He got hurt on the job. He um, took a medical uh, discharge and uh, moved uh, out of New York City, and he was also a sheriff in the small town where he lives now uh, for about 10 years. He's, um, he's, he's really good when, um, when talking about, like, cold cases or any kind of kind of history, man. He's a real history buff. He knows stuff about, you know, military history, but also politics, but also kind of like true crime history and stuff. And he can, he's like Cobra. He can retain a vast amount of knowledge, you know, it's amazing. Yeah. And, um, but he's, he's very authentic. And uh, just in some of the stories he tells us on the air, but off the air, uh, you can tell. And anyone who says um, his favorite dish is chicken in pajamas, you know, he's from New York City. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Chicken parmesan. Oh, yes. uh, okay. Well, yeah. I've never heard that. And being a former New and Yorker, New well, but New York City okay, is okay. not my stomping grounds. All right. So this question it has to do with you, Mac, and uh-huh. people just seem to be really interested in this. Uh-huh. You seem to talk a lot about gambling on the show, and people are wondering <laughs> why do you know so much about gambling, and how do you do? I I don't know anything. About <laughs> Should we yeah. answer that? No, I mean, you know, um, I have, uh, you know... Uh, um, <laughs> Are you getting yourself in trouble here? <laughs> no, not anymore. Uh, in, um, you know, in the past, I've bet, you know, put money on uh, football games and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it's just, it's like a sport. It's like a sport. I'll tell you the truth is when I took the job at General Electric now, going back in my history, but you now I was a PR guy for General Electric, you know, about 20 years ago. And, um, 
you know, it was a very much of a, you know, white collar job, suit, coat and tie every day, high executives, you know, three martini lunches and everything. And everyone worked really hard, but everyone in the office was like, you know, like a, a gambling freak, you know, everyone knew what the number was. Everyone knew, you know, what the over-under was on the basketball game that night, football, forget about baseball. It was just insane. We used to have these like weird kind of pools and stuff and um, a lot of money floating around. So, yeah, so I caught the bug there and, um, you know, and uh, and so, yeah, it's uh, it's like a sport to me. It's like a it's a hobby. Mm. And I suppose it makes watching the games all that much more interesting. Well, you'd know that. <laughs> I say it as <laughs> if I don't eight. know that. Yes. Oh. <laughs> all right. And the number one question that okay, Inquire Minds would like to know is Steve really bald? <laughs> Um, He does have good hair, but people are wondering, is that real? No, no, no. I don't even know how that started, to tell you the truth. I think (laughs) one night I said, isn't your pot on the other side or on the wrong side or something? And and Willie just jumped right on it. And, you know, we're making fun of uh, Steve for more than a year now, as it turns out, um, that he wears a rug. But he doesn't. It's all his hair. He has very kind of – he has a thick mane of hair, I would say. He does have good hair. I would say so. Right. We would make fun of him if it was really a rug. I don't think so. (laughs) No, that's nothing to tease anyone about. So those are the questions that the fans are wondering about. Well, now they know. Hopefully, Now they know. They're more informed. (laughs) Right. They're more informed. Um, So anyway, hey, yeah, if you have any more questions, I guess email them to us. I mean, I can't imagine anything else that you'd want to know. Well, you never know as we – Continue with the show. People will wonder more and more about you guys. Right. So um, why don't we do this? Well, that was fun. That was fun. Why don't we uh, take a break now and calm down and regroup, and uh, <laughs> we'll be right back. You're listening to Mac Maloney's Military Exile Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone, to Mac Maloney's Military Exile Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. Wow. What a show we've had uh, tonight, uh, but we're at the end. Sad to say, I'm in the studio here with uh, the lovely Lois Lane. Hi, Mac. Hi, everybody. I hope you've enjoyed the show. She's tearing up now that the show is over. She doesn't want it to end. <laughs> nope, I want it to continue. Oh, okay. All right, good. We'll have to oh, yeah. continue oh, oh. it off air. Or are they got tears of joy? You never know. <laughs> well, you know, it goes either way. So anyway, so um, yeah, thanks for joining us tonight and uh, for one of our special shows. Um, we should say that, um, do the plugs real quick. Um, homes for our troops. Homes for our troops. Just Google them. They um, are an organization that builds homes for post 9-11 veterans who uh, may have lost a limb or become disabled uh, fighting for our country. They build them the homes. They adapt the homes so they can get around easier, steps that can they can go up quicker and easier and lower counter space, things like that. And then they just give them the keys. They tear up the mortgage. They're all paid for. They're free. And um, these people deserve it. Uh, country, the uh, vet administration should be taking better care of these people. They don't, but, you know, that's another show. Homes for Our Troops is out there doing the job for them. So please Google Homes for Our Troops, find out what they're about, and hopefully donate to them. And uh, also, I should say that Wingman 21, Lois, Wingman 21. 21. Yes, the Jericho Storm is now on sale on Amazon and at bookstores everywhere. The Jericho Storm. Wingman 21. Who knew that I would have been writing 21 Wingman books? Well, I did. You know, did you? Okay. Yeah, well, and, I mean, based on the fans who um, write in and they just can't wait to hear what Wingman is up to next, I'm not surprised that it continues. Wow. Holy cow, Lois. Well, you know that. <laughs> did you have a cocktail before on the show? Or? <laughs> I'll never tell. Okay. 
So anyway, um, the Jericho Storm, uh, Wingman 21, is now on sale on Amazon. And uh, also, how can uh, fans... Get their bag of swag, Lois. Well, if you are looking for a bag of swag, some merch from the show, go to MacMaloney.com, click on the contact button, type in your real mailing address, and we will send you out a bag of swag, including pins and buttons, coasters, 3D decals, lots of fun stuff with the Mac Maloney Military X-Files symbol on it. Logo. Logo. Brand. Same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and again, just send us your real email at macmaloney.com on the contact us button. Right. Um, and we'll uh, mail out the swag to you right away. So thank you, Lois, for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. And thank you, everyone out there uh, for listening. We're going to end the show with not one, but two selections from Sky Ooh. Club. Uh, Lois. That'll be good listening for everybody. And so until uh, the next time you hear us, this is Mac Mooney for the whole gang, and especially Lois Lane saying, be safe, be happy, and... Bye-bye. the ground.